this debate will follow a similar format to the previous one. Um, just a reminder, please do not shout or boo in the, in the middle of candidate respond, and please hold your applause until the end of a respond or rebuttal, so I'll, um, so everyone can hear the respond. Um, we'll begin with candidates' introduction by uh, alphabetical order. So that would start with Quinn, um, Samara, and then Zach. Okay. Um, hi, everyone. My name is Quinn Haga. I use she, her, and hers. I'm running for president with the I'm With You O campaign. Um, some things I'm involved in, I'm the Senate Vice President. I sit on Senate Seat 2, Programs Finance Committee. I'm also the Programs Finance Committee Chair. I'm a member of the Environmental Leadership Program here um, at the University of Oregon within the Environmental Studies uh, Department. I'm also the Development Coordinator for Camp Kesem, a local nonprofit. And I am also the Vice President of Accountability um, on the Panhellenic Executive Council, and thank you everyone for being here tonight. Hello everyone, my name is Samara. I use she, her, and her pronouns. I am a junior studying political science and African studies and sociology. I am the outreach coordinator for the Multicultural Center as well as the co-director for the Coalition Against Environmental Racism. I also sit on the University uh, Financial Aid and Scholarships Committee. Um, thank you so much for being here. Hi, my name is Zachary Rentschler. Um, my pronouns are he, him, his. Um, this year I'm sitting on Senate as well as I am the chair for the Department's Finance Committee, one of the committees that's part of the ASUO. Uh, and I'm really excited for tonight and thank you so much for coming out. The first question is go to Samara. Expanding DDS and SEFRA is something your cam campaign is advocating, but this is not the first time that a campaign prom promised to do it. Please tell us what your campaign will do to make that happen, and what does it, what does expanding these services mean to you? Um, so this is something that I actually really wanted to implement on our platform. Um, being a student that can't afford to live in 2125 Franklin or Skybox and pay really high rent prices, I was forced to be pushed out um, and live in a place where I could afford rent. And in doing so, SafeRide and DDS, um, I'm no longer in their radius. And so, you know, even if I'm studying late at night, I have to make sure that I'm always catching the last bus or I have a ride home. And so I wanted to make sure that um, SafeRide and DDS was expanded to students who couldn't afford to, you know, live so close to the heart of campus um, due to financial reasons. And um, we realized that this is something that other campaigns have done. The thing that is different with our campaign is that we are, we're organizers. We actually, uh, the things that we say that we're gonna do, we actually do them. That's why our team is comprised of people who went to you know, Salem to lobby for tuition affordability and actually put more funding into our schools. And so that made the tuition go down um, from increasing what it would have this year. Um, it made it go down, and so we're, we're committed to making sure that whatever we do um, and whatever we say we're gonna do, we actually do it because we have gotten things done in the past. Um, I have a follow-up follow to that, Samara, um, if I was saying, sorry. Um, so, I actually, what is your concrete plan to make that happen? 
So our plan is to make sure that, um, like I said, that we have more funding going into the school. And so right now, ASUO is kind of picking up the slack that the administration and other departments have to let go of, like the programs that they have to let go of. And so all of that funding is basically just um, the ASUO has to pick up. And so if we actually do make sure that there's more money going into, um, into I guess, our funding that we have, then we can be able to create more have more drivers, um, have more vans, have more accessible vans, have emergency vans. So if someone is like, I can't stay here for more than 10 minutes, um, having the people um, and the uh, resources to be able to make that happen. Um, yeah, so expanding and prioritizing um, services such as Safe Ride and DDS is also something that's really important to our campaign and working on the Programs Finance Committee for the past, I can't really tell if this is on, for the past two years, um, I've worked closely with both, of, with both of these programs. And I think something that's really important in this discussion is making sure that um, we get support financially from administration to um, support these services because uh, our campaign believes that getting home safely at night is a basic student right. And so um, our plan would be to put pressure on administration to um, help fund these services for the maintenance fees and for the gas fees for Safe Ride and DDS. This is something that President Schill has already expressed interest in. Uh, late night transportation is one of the most important things that the ASUO funds, and it's something that I think we did a relatively poor job of prioritizing this year. Um, DDS has been hit with the slow growth model, and Safe Ride realistically will be too, if we want to get them up to the capacity to where they can keep, take care of rides quickly. Um, and so in order to make Safe Ride and DDS work, we have to bring back bus services, and we have to um, bring all other alternatives such as Uber so that Safe Ride and DDS have the capability to go and answer the rides that they have quickly. Yeah, I just am a little bit confused how encouraging students to pay more money for services such as um, bus services and for Uber is like good for the students rather than prioritizing services such as Safe Ride and DDS that the IC is already paying for. I feel like there's just a redundancy of services and we could be prioritizing services such as Safe Ride and DDS that already exist, that are already safe because um, all the drivers have to go through background checks. So we already have that issue of safety covered. And I believe that we could be funding these services and growing these services and they would fulfill those same exact needs as the 79X and um, Uber. Um, being a campaign that is about community, we think about our whole entire community and not people who can just afford to drop um, money every single night that they need a ride. And so expanding DDS and Safe Ride is also cost effective to students like me who can't afford to pay $10 every single time they need a ride home. Um, I think that in terms of making things safe for students, we also need to make them feasible as well. Uh, yeah. The the bus is something that we already fund as a student government, so that's not something that we have to be adding back in. It's something that got cut by the student government, and it's a service that people depend on. Um, but the big thing with Safe Ride and DDS is that they're just going to be hit with the slow growth model, and they can't expand their services. And so by having the buses and other things pick up the slack, then once Safe Ride and DDS do grow, they um, won't, they'll be able to give rides faster. And I use DDS and Safe Ride all the time. I've lived far away from campus for a long time. Uh, and when Uber was in Eugene, I never used Uber. I have a dumb phone. But the thing is, Safe Ride and DDS were so much faster when other richer students were able to use those services. Specific question from Quinn. This year in your board told out the rest of ASU of its lack of awareness of how the board works. You have told us that your slate is the most experienced with the budget process. With that in mind, how are you going to improve communication with the AMU board or deal with these kind of issues in the future? 
Um, thanks, that's a good question. I actually think that throughout the entire budget process, something that um, I really learned this year was having discussions, like I worked very closely with um, Andrew Dunn, who's the chair of the ACSCC committee, and, I, and as the chair of PFC, I think it's really crucial that um, chairs are meeting and vice chairs are meeting very frequently to discuss like how this budget is going to come together because ultimately it is one entire budget that the entire Senate body is working on. And so I think that the ASO president and the finance director and all the chairs and vice chairs should be meeting early on just to figure out all those kind of like kinks that might come up along the way and just to make it a smoother budget process um, and like have a plan for the entire budget season because there is literally so much that goes into this process and so much that could be done proactively about um, just like understanding what committees are going to need and like what they're going to see um, throughout the throughout the budget season. The next one is for one very good. Um, so Zach, your fellow Senator Max Burns characterized one organs as by this election. He's also described you as flip-flopping on your opinion of campaign spending, saying at the end of last year election season, you expressed support of cap. What's your response to Burns' accusation in the light of the fact that your campaign has spent over $15,000 in this race? Our campaign's fundraising has been a total blessing. Um, fundraising from the community has been huge, and it's something that we're going to help clubs do next year if we get elected. Um, the, the shame about living in a campaign that doesn't have a cap is that we have no idea how much the other campaigns are fundraising. And so we never stop fundraising, and we never will stop fundraising, because there's no way of knowing where other people are at um, going into elections. And so by fundraising all of that money from the city, we both showed our commitment to being able to fundraise for groups, and also just the fact that um, fundraising is something that every campaign just does as hard as it can um, for as long as it can from its community and its connections. Thank you. Um, so my question um, to Zach is just how you're going to make that connection with student groups in order to help them fundraise. Um, I personally have not seen um, any of my, of my other two, you know, I've never seen Quinn or Zach um, in a multicultural event or at BSU um, or at BWA. And so I'm wondering how you're going to make that connections with those groups in order to, for them to, you know, for, for them to listen to you and, and, and actually fundraise. Um, yeah, I just still don't think that necessarily answered the question about like being a um, like being an advocate for capping um, campaign fundraising for ASUO campaigns. I don't think that the logic that we should just fundraise and fundraise and fundraise is like really necessarily correct just because you don't necessarily know where other campaigns are. So I'm just not sure that that answer was um, well, that question was necessarily answered. Um, the PEEPS program is something that I think is going to, first I'm going to answer Samara's question just because I'm going to go in the order. Uh, the PEEPS program is one of the huge things that the ASUO office has been working on that's going to help groups fundraise, but having someone who's dedicated to doing that on the executive staff I think is going to be really huge because as a student leader I've been able to see a lot of groups have tr trouble with transition and trouble with fundraising realistically. Um, and we know a lot of people who know best practices as members of the ASUO with fundraising, but that's something that groups just don't have access to necessarily. This is a question for Doug Squad. Your campaign claim is the only one with experience in social justice. What do you consider your most important personal accomplishment 
with battling injustice on campus and how does your experience shape your vision for next year? That's a really good question. Um, so yep, I do stick by that first line. Uh, our slate, um, our campaign managers, um, and our ticket um, have all worked in social justice. Um, we know what the movement requires. Um, we're very grassroots. We're very direct. We are direct organizers. Um, in terms of my personal accomplishment, I think the biggest thing that I did this year was actually we hosted um, a talk at the City Club event, um, which was the first time ever that the City Club of Eugene um, hosted students from marginalized groups. And it was called the Neglected Few. And they were able to talk about their experience here on campus, what it means to be um, a student that is marginalized, and how the administration can help them better feel safe, um, better feel supported. And so that's one of the things that I um, worked on this year. And I think that, and I think that, that calls for what you know, the executive position is. You're not just working with students, you're not just working with administration, but you're working with the community as well. The city of Eugene needs to know what's going on here at the campus and needs to know how they can better help our students feel safe as well. Back to um, with you both. You said student programs are receiving the biggest increases in funding next year due to the work of Natalie, Zach, and yourself. What is, your, what is to further support student groups? Um, yeah, so the PSC, uh, we saw a 12% increase this year, which is the largest, um, I'm not going to say ever, but for a while, for at least my time, usually it's, we work on a slow growth model, so it's about 0 to 2% every year. So we really advocated for student programs to get these increases that they need. The programs on this campus are punished by the slow growth model, and so this is something that we really fought this year and worked with other committees to um, get these increases for the groups. And in the future, I mean, we are still, like, programs are our number one thing for Zach, Natalie, and I. And so we are going to continue to prioritize them and make sure that they get their funding and their necessary increases um, moving forward in the executive office. Uh, you know, I just, I just wanted to touch on the fact that this is actually one of our platform points, is making sure that, like, even the, the budget process is, is up to Senate, but also making sure, like, how do new student groups fund themselves? How do they go into meetings? Um, how do they figure out their budget for the next year? So making sure that we have that leadership that is implemented in student groups is very crucial as well. Um, yeah, just adding on to that, one of the things that, I know this has been brought up a couple times, but one of the things that um, we did prioritize in PSC this year was the PEEPS program, and I think that this is going to be really crucial and beneficial to have those student mentors for programs, and this is definitely something that um, I think the ASUO needs, and it is something that Zach, Natalie, and I have really supported throughout this whole process, and um, will be crucial for program success in the future. This is a question for Juan Oregon. It's cost $85,000 to bring back the after midnight bus service, an issue that you fought hard in hard for in Senate this year. Does your plan to bring back the late night bus services involve cutting funding for, to other programs or increasing the incidental fee and why? I mean, planning a budget in a vacuum of a year out before the financial process is kind of meaningless because the ASUO just doesn't work that way. Um, but this year we kind of missed the opportunity because LTD, because we were under-realized and fewer students showed up to campus compared to last year. We could have gotten it this year for a, a total bargain um, of only like $20,000 above the overall budget um, because it was already getting cut back so much with the glide plan and with, um, with the fact that we were under-realized. And 
So making sure that this is one of those things that we put into the budget first and one of those things that we have as an area for growth in the budget first and then planning the rest of the budget around it means that students have a way to get home safe because um, students who live out be, be beyond Austin just don't have good options. Um, safe Ride and DDS have really slow wait times this year um, and those are places that asking them to get a cab or get an Uber if Uber was to come back is unrealistic because it's an area where it's mostly low-income students. And so we want to make sure that we get those buses back as one of the top priorities of the ASBO next year. So I just have a, um, a question for Zach in terms of, um, so I'm confused as to what you're prioritizing. Is it Uber? Because that's what we've, that's the kind of rhetoric that's been surrounding your campaign. Um, or is it the bus services? And if you plan to bring back both, how do you plan to have, you know, Uber come in and actually agree with the laws and bylaws of the city of Eugene and work with the university as well? Yeah, so the, there's kind of two pieces to that. One is the uh, Uber is not to replace the bus and it's not to replace Safer and DDS. It's kind of, there's an ecology of transportation and giving students more options reduces the weight on any one of those options. Um, and that's really important because people who use Safer and DDS need it to be operating really well. Uh, and that's only possible if other people are using other options. Um, the, the huge thing with Uber is um, the city will get to regulate it, and so we're not in charge of it as students regulating it, and so it will be a safe service. Um, yeah, I was just going to say I'm still a little bit confused because those three services are very redundant, and I just believe that it's costing students more money to have all three of those services at the same time, and it's not saving students money or really prioritizing one and like really growing one service that can be really um, successful for students. And I would also just like to, or not, that was the wrong word. Um, and I would just also like to reiterate that Uber is not a safe or accessible service for many students on this campus. And so I just don't think that that is something that the ASUO should be like so gung-ho and advocating for. What is your stand on campaign spending cap? Um, I think uh, campaign spending is something that's definitely, it's a huge national issue. And unfortunately, it's a huge issue on our campus this year. It's definitely something that really needs to be looked into and addressed. Um, obviously, it's come up a lot this um, ASUO elections, and I think it's, um, you know, it's definitely something that we need to look at, like who is the outside funders and like who is controlling the, these elections and like what is influencing students on this campus. And like I believe that the money needs to stay um, within students and needs to represent the student body here on campus. I think that a spending cap should definitely be something to look into for the future of ASU elections. I think there's a lot of things that need to be reformed about the ASU elections, but um, spending is something that always comes up and it just needs to be as transparent um, as possible throughout the entire elections process. So um, yeah, I agree um, on having a spending cap. Um, when you do have campaigns that are just getting copious amounts of money um, from different people and different organizations, it's kind of hard to determine where they stand on issues, especially if the people that they're getting funding from um, contradict what they're saying. Um, and so I think that it would be really great to have a spending cap, making sure that all of the donations that are being given to students and all of the money that are being given to campaigning um, is transparent to everyone for everyone to see so that students know where that money has been coming from um, and hopefully where the campaign actually stands. Moving on to the next question, tuition transparency on the part of administration has been a hot year in particular. 
What do you think went wrong this year and how do you think the SEO can work with administration to improve transparency with the student body at large? Uh, in terms of uh, tuition transparency, that's something that um, our campaign is really focused on, as well as, well as tuition affordability. Uh, we have seen in the past, and people who are working with us who have, again, lobbied in Salem so that education so that education can be funded, and so it can take away that burden from students um, and keep the rising cost of tuition um, relatively low. I think that um, this year with administration, it was more so administration shutting us out. Um, making sure that they were having planning meetings and um, specific decisions made when students weren't there, when students couldn't voice their opinions. And like I said, we're a group of direct action. We know what to do um, when that happens. Uh, there, You can always go the hierarchical way and hope that someone will listen to you or you can um, decide to take another route, go from the side, um, try to do something different, um, make sure that students' voices are being heard even though you're not necessarily sitting at the table. Um, yeah, so tuition transparency is also something that's really important to our campaign. I think um, being forcing the administration to be transparent with, with us is one of the best ways to hold them accountable for um, where they're spending our tuition dollars. I think it's something that's really lacked with the administration in the past um, couple of years. Something I also think that um, could be done additionally, like Samara said, students are really shut out of this process. And I think having those conversations really proactively and early on in the year to make sure that the university hears our voices and it's really imperative. Um, you know, the university at the BOT meeting, they recognize that students here are very active and have a powerful voice, but they still, you know, chose to vote to increase tuition. So I think, like, early on, these conversations need to be had, and the administration, we need to be lobbying the administration early on to make sure that they understand um, that they are hurting students. And um, tuition transparency is also something that we can kind of tackle as a body without even consulting with the administration, because a lot of the problem with transparency is that the administration very intentionally buries a lot of the statistics um, and data and plans deep in reports. Um, and by, as an ASUO, we can have the patients to go through those reports, find the parts that they're trying to bury intentionally, and bring them to the um, campus as a whole, which I think is something that this year we've been really successful at as, as a Senate. Um, and as an executive, and it's something that we can continue to do next year. Yeah, so something else that I wanted to add, um, in the Programs Finance Committee this year, we saw um, programs being directly affected by these budget cuts because the administration um, told departments that they need to be making cuts and can no longer support programs as much as they had in years past. And so um, our uh, internal, uh, external vice president, um, presidential candidate, Natalie Fisher, talked to um, a few uh, folks from administration at the tuition transparency rally and they recognize that these are real issues and that these this really is affecting students and this is really tragic but this was like the first time that they had ever heard that this was actually happening to student programs on campus so um, just to reiterate my comment about being proactive about these conversations like it's it's great that they acknowledge that but like we've already passed the budget and it's too late My name is Rudy. Um, I'm employed with the Duck Squad um, campaign. Um, so mine is a two-part question. Um, first question is a really easy uh, yes-no question for Zach. Um, so there's been rumors that you all have been receiving support from Turning Point USA. Is that true? Um, Thomas Tullis, who's the president of TPUSA on campus, has endorsed me, and he's been volunteering along with a few of his friends. So yes, we've been receiving help from a student organization, Turning Point USA. 
So the second part of that question is, uh, and for context for the audience, Training Point USA uh, is a nationwide organization um, who, in their public um, goals, are to flood student government elections with uh, money in order to elect conservative candidates. Um, and they said in order to uh, control student fee dollars, to censor professors who they find too liberal, um, and to eliminate free speech zones, among other um, fairly problematic uh, goals. And I'm curious why you all are accepting support from such an organization. I mean, Thomas has been a friend of mine for years. Um, and him supporting me doesn't mean that he controls me. Thomas is one of the many volunteers that our campaign has. Um, and he's a, like a fantastic guy, but we disagree pretty consistently on a lot of ASUO issues. Um, like I fought to increase the IP more than 4.5% this year, which if you ask Thomas what percentage he'd like to, to see the IP go, it would probably be some direction down. Um, but yeah, Thomas is a friend of mine. Hi, I'm Kira Koppelmeyer. I'm a member of the Emeralds editorial board. And um, my question is that in this year's negotiation with the athletics department went smoothly compared to previous years with a zero um, increase in funding on the top of 300, excuse me, in funding on top of 300 extra football tickets. Given the recent history between the ASO and the athletics department, it's likely that difficulties will arise again. So what's your strategy to deal with pushbacks from athletics? Um, I think something that worked really well this year in the ACFC committee is um, Evan Roth worked really well with the, um, with, the, with the athletics department this year and really worked hard to build a collaborative relationship so that they were receptive to um, the ASUO and to ACFC. So I think moving forward, um, having that relationship between ACFC and athletics is something that's important so that they are um, receptive, receptive to what we want for the budget for that year. And um, because, yeah, obviously it has been such like a hot topic issue in years past and it's something that, um, you know, absolutely needs to be addressed and scrutinized because they often try to uh, rob us of our money for student tickets. Hello, my name is Cooper. I'm also on the Emeralds Editorial Board. <coughs> my question is for Mr. Branchler. Um, correct me if I'm wrong about some of the context of this, but to my understanding, you were uh, you are a senator, and you were at a budget meeting earlier this year, um, and you walked out uh, instead of voting against a budget that you were in favor of. All your other senators favor, uh, voted in favor of it, um, but we disagreed with the removal of the 79X uh, contract. Um, so instead of voting, you walked out. <clears throat> I just was wondering if this speaks to Um, I was one of the third of Senate that wasn't there, so my ability to walk out was also dependent on the fact that a lot of other people weren't there, and that was me engaging at the end of a very long, frustrating process. I will fight no matter what to make sure that transportation is taken care of, and that's why I got involved with the ASUO, and I went to all of the budget meetings leading into that, went to the Programs Finance Committee, fought to get DDS restored to full uh, operations, that failed, went to ACFC, fought to get the 79X restored to full services, that failed. And so that was the end of a, a long process of basically me seeing the Senate that I got elected to failing. So when you were disagreeing with them, you walked out instead of compromising or agreeing with your senator's rule? Because they did have you 15 to 1. 
Yeah, I mean, I'm not afraid to stand alone if that's what it takes, if it's something that's really important. But I'm also totally um, into compromising and like ha changed a lot of my opinions this year as a chair on the DF of the department's finance committee. And that was the one budget meeting I walked out of. I was on the losing end of other votes. Um, there's even other votes where I could have walked out and ended the meeting right there. But that was the nuclear option for us failing as a Senate, in my opinion. Yeah, all three ch campaigns are talking about transportation now. It's great. Okay, and, and when you say stand alone, do you mean just to leave in frustration, or do you mean to actually have a conversation and accept when a decision's made? I mean, I've been on the losing end of other decisions, and that's totally normal, but I'm not going to just go to admin and then accept the fact that they're raising tuition and say, oh, that's a great compromise. Um, if there's a place where the administration is failing, or if there's a place where folks in Salem are failing, then yeah, I'll like escalate tactics. Tactics. Uh, hello, my name is Alfonso, and uh, I I have a little comment about um, the whole Uber situation, and I'm bringing this up because uh, I go on Facebook, and every time I go on there, there's always like a solicitation, like awarding one saying like, hey, support Uber and everything else and all kind of stuff. But my, my problem is, is that um, I don't think it uh, should be a, like a top priority within uh, uh, U of O, just because I feel like, you know, um, if somebody else, is, like if anybody as a student is going out having some fun, they usually have a friend with them. And usually if they have a friend with them, they always have somebody who's like a DD or somebody driving them. And I feel like, you know, instead of bringing Uber, which, you know, the, the council and the downtown Eugene, they voted not to um, include Uber within this community just because of like safety concerns, just because they don't have a license as a taxi driver, things like that. And I feel like, you know, um, for me, okay, well, um, case in short, it's just that I feel like this should be like a program, saying like maybe like a carpool, right, type of thing. My, my question is geared towards, uh, you know, over the three uh, years, um, I'm a non-traditional student and, and all kinds of, I, over the three past years, I've noticed just like a pattern of like within like student government of like uh, those who represent like Greek life mostly and those who don't. And as a as a transfer student who are a non-Greek life person, I feel like there's a lot of campaigns that um, gears towards more of like uh, not not uh, not tackling the real issues that's happening on our campus. I feel like. As a person of color, I feel like there's things in our classes, like for example, like cultural company and competency is lacking. Um, our classes, if you go to Columbia Hall, there's old wooden chairs and everything else that needs to be upgraded. There's a lot of student issues that's going on right now, and I feel like Uber and things outside of the campus is not a big issue. We need to focus on inside our campus. I feel like that is the great biggest issue. And I feel like a lot of the platforms that, you know, or One Oregon and others who don't follow that, I feel like it's lacking. I feel it, to me, it's like a disgrace in a way. So my question is, uh, like, how is ASU going to be accountable from um, staying in, in government? Because so far, like, we have seen throughout history, like, Thomas told us he'd been arrested. You know, he's been part of, like, a Greek, like, chapter. And also, like, um, what is it? Sammy taught, you know, Tahe, he went to ASUO, I mean, USA conferences, and he, you know, went back uh, drunk and everything. I think he was uh, discharged from that, his position as a Senate C15 on sociology. 
So my question is, where is the accountability when it comes to student government um, for electing these people that you all represent? Um, yeah, so, so my question is, where is the accountability coming from? Like, are you all gonna be like accountable? Like, is there accountability within your own campaign throughout the whole year or not? Or, like, how are you gonna check, how, how, how are you gonna make sure that your um, campaign folks who are, are elected are accountable to be in student government throughout the entire year? That's my question. Um, thank you for that question. So. Um, that is something, actually, the cultural competency is something that we are working on, cultural competency for staff, students, and faculty, making sure that students don't offend students, but also teachers don't offend students, professors don't offend students, making sure that we know that everyone comes from different cultures and backgrounds. And when we started this campaign, I told my team, I want honesty. If you are going to tell something to someone on the street, if someone's gonna ask you a question about our campaign, you need to be honest. If you're gonna say something to them and then we get elected and then next year we, we, can't, you can't, we can't do what you promised them, that's a problem. And so I told them that if you, if you can't be honest, we can't continue this because that has been a problem. I've seen that as well. Coming here and being as a freshman and going all the way through my junior year, I've seen that, oh, we'll promise you this, we'll do this, don't worry about this, don't worry about that, and then it doesn't happen. So I'm glad you asked that question. Um, yeah, thanks so much. So yeah, as kind of Samara touched on, I've been here for three years, so I've seen a lot of different ASO administrations kind of come through. Um, something that uh, our team really personally tried to focus on this year is creating platform points that are very tangible for us to accomplish in a year. And I think that is one way that I plan on holding myself accountable if elected into office, because um, I've, always, I've always said that I'm not going to run on a platform or run on a campaign where I don't believe that I can promise students these exact things, X, Y, and Z, um, because I think that's why a lot of this university has become disenchanted with the ASO is a lot of the reasons that you've just brought up. And so that's definitely something that I've consistently had that mindset of and been very conscious of throughout this process. I mean, I just agree with the, what the other two candidates have said, um, making sure that we continue conversations with organizations and clubs that we've partnered with during elections after we get elected um, to make sure that we're following up on the promises and when we fulfill those promises that people know. Because one thing that I found really frustrating, frustrating in the ASUL is that we'll accomplish great things, but people still feel di disenchanted and feel like the ASUO isn't doing anything because there's such a lack of communication. Um, so people feel hopeless when there really is hope. Again, no, no offense to anybody. Hi, my name is Caitlin. I'm not running for any state positions, but I am a volunteer with Duck Squad. Um, I have a question today for I'm with you, Will, if that's okay. Uh, it's also to Parker, if that's okay. Okay. Uh, so, your original platform stated that you wanted to combine DDS and Safe Pride, and then in your interview with the Emerald, you stated that you wanted to merge them to, quote, to combine them would use the finances efficiently and effectively, end quote. You also used the merger three times, or the word merger three times, and in conversations with your slate members, they also used the word merger, but once the director of DDS and Safe Pride said that they didn't think that that was desirable or feasible, it seemed to transfer over to, to encourage conversations. So, what is your actual stance? Yeah, thanks for that question. Um, that is something obviously that I think really needs to be cleared up throughout this entire process. 
Um, as the chair of the Programs Finance Committee and working with uh, programs from all around campus, I've worked with DDS and both and SafeRide very closely. And I would never do something to a program and like encourage a merger where they, where the programs were not receptive to that. So say I was elected and I sat down with SafeRide and DDS and they were vehemently opposed to such a merger, like I wouldn't push that on them. I still believe that increasing funding and um, increasing those services for students is the most important thing. That's always been the main goal for me and um, for getting students safe transportation. Um, in the long run, I do believe that a merger is good just because it is their very redundant services and I believe that together they can be more powerful. And Yeah, so um, as I kind of touched on this before, um, in conversations um, with President Schill, they have, he has mentioned that um, administration would be interested in footing the bill for, for these transportation services. And so I think that that is a number one way to kind of, because PFC works on a slow growth model, it is important that these services get like a lot of funding at one time. And so um, I think that that is a very solid way to support and grow these services. Whereas, um, as I said before, I believe that the ASEO should control the student pay that these organizations um, have, just because I wouldn't want that to be overlooked by administration. Thank you. Hi, my name is Dolly. I'm the editor-in-chief of the Emerald, and I'm also on the editorial board. So I want to move away from some policy stuff and talk about something that's personal. Um, in my experience as a student leader um, and leader of a publication that's student-run, um, I've had to make a lot of sacrifices in the last year. And I just want to learn about um, any sacrifices that you've made in last year or since coming to the University of Oregon in order to lead and serve students? I want all of you to respond. So for me, um, I believe that with I'm not necessarily sure um, what you mean by sacrifice in terms of like time or. Yeah, so for example, a lot of times, like, you know, you want somebody to stay for a meeting, but they'd rather be at Taylor's, you know, like getting dollar beers, like things like that, you know, giving up internship opportunities, um, staying up late, and even failing a class in order to get something done. You think that? So I would say. I would say that in terms of this, I, the City Club of Eugene event that I did all took up um, a lot of time, as well as just doing budget, um, budget with like the ASUO. Um, when I came into the ASUO, as you know, um, that was my sophomore year. Um, when I started being involved in programs, I did not know anything about budget processes. And so it's really difficult when you have a budget process, you bring it up to Senate, and they're like, nope, sorry go try again. Um, and that's after you've stayed up until 11 o'clock at night trying to figure it out all by yourself um, and not really having guidance. Um, so I would say that those two events are things that I have given up in terms of being in programs. It's something that's really difficult. I know that um, the... Um, yeah, so as the chair of the Programs Finance Committee, the, the PFC deals with over 180 student rec uh, ASU recognized organizations on this campus and we spend pretty much the, four, the first four weeks of winter term working tirelessly with these student groups to get their budgets approved. And so we've, I've probably spent like over 100 hours on all of this, so obviously that's a lot of 
sacrifices in time, obviously with schoolwork and with your social life and your personal relationships. But you know, in the end, like it's so rewarding when you're at the budget hearing. And like for example, um, we this year we were able to get the men's center their full-time director position. And so in the end, all of those hours were extremely worth it. And while although maybe my grades suffered, like it's in the end, it's really worth it to um, you know be providing those services for students. I've definitely pulled a few all-nighters. I've definitely um, spent a lot of time when my friends are like going out just reading through budget documents. But like the truth is my freshman year, I wasn't all that happy and I wasn't all that engaged on campus and I had plenty of sleep and I had plenty of time to go out with friends. Um, but I wouldn't trade my involvement for the world. I think leadership, all of those sacrifices are also just benefits for me as a person and has helped me grow a lot as like a leader and as a human being. Hi, I'm Riley. Um, my question is more directed towards one more because I can chime in if you want. Um, I would like some clarification on what or how you believe that Uber is lifting the burden on Safe Pride and BDS. I can attest that Safe Ride has given more more rides this far than they did last year while operating on the same amount of vans and with the same amount of employees. So like our limitations or go ahead, just some clarification on how you think Uber lifts the burden on Safe Ride and DDS. Yeah, I use uh, or I used to use DDS and Safe Ride almost every night because I lived super far away from campus and would be involved in campus activities until late. Um, and when Uber was around, I could call DDS or SafeRide and get a ride within 30 or 40 minutes. And that's just because a lot of other people were using Uber. Uh, and now that that service is gone, everyone has moved on um, to DDS and SafeRide. And so they are accommodating that to a point and giving more rides. And they've done a fantastic job. Like DDS has increased its staffing capacity and they are giving more rides but it's not as fast of a response. Um, so do you think that um, by providing and bringing in another company or another service is lifting the burden, then why not giving those services more money, more vans, more employees? How is that not equivalent to lifting that burden and supplying students with free, safe, well, the cool thing about Uber is that students wouldn't have to be spending their student fees on it, and it wouldn't have to grow the budget at all. Um, whereas buying more vans is tremendously expensive um, and a really just long process. Um, and so Uber as a company isn't something that we would have to have in the fee, and it would lighten up the burden on the things that are in the fee so that the students who need free rides can get them quicker. And the students who are willing to pay um, that money isn't coming out of the student fee, it's coming out of the students who are willing to pay their pocket. Thank you. Uh, my name is Jack Heffernan, I'm with the Emerald Editorial Board. Uh, my question is for Quinn Haga. Uh, you mentioned that one of the keys to tuition transparency is to meet early and often with UO admin. My question is, uh, who on your staff would you have meet with on uh, UO admin, and have you set any deadlines for these meetings? Um, yeah, so I guess that would look like probably myself, um, external vice president Natalie Fisher, and then whoever our chief of staff is, and then um, also probably university affairs. 
And I would say that the first day elected into office would be the first time to start meeting and having those conversations. And then, I mean, I would, I don't, sorry, I don't know if this is on. Um, I would be meeting with administration, all of us, um, at least once a week following that. Did that answer your question well enough? Yeah, thank you. Hello again, this, my name is Carter Critch. Um, I know all of you, but for you in the audience, I am the ASUO Programs Administrator. I work with student group leadership to help coordinate bylaws process and basically facilitate a lot of their relationship with the ASUO. Um, something that all three of you have in your slaves on your websites and that you've talked about frequently is program support. Um, and you've kind of discussed that in a couple of different areas. Um, from my personal experience from research and history in ASUO, program support is about the equivalent of shaking hands, kissing babies. It's kind of something that everybody says. Because it's nice to say it, it would be a good thing. Um, I'd like to ask each of you individually to give a specific example of something that you will do to support program leadership on this campus um, within the first three months of your campaign. Excuse me, of office, if you were to be elected. So for us, um, we would like to do more peer-to-peer um, -more -peer, um, interactions. So it's really hard for someone who hasn't been a part of programs to just go in and be like, okay, like who do I talk to? Who do I go to? I saw that I got this email and I'm supposed to be here at this time. So making sure that you have, groups have someone on their team that can go to these meetings and then also bring that knowledge back and teach each other. Um, I think that that's one of the ways that we want to do it is to encourage that you know, peers are talking to each other and it's not just like, okay, the senior in the group knows what they're doing, they graduate and leave, and now everyone is kind of redundantly trying to figure out what to do again. Um, yeah, so this is something that in the Programs Finance Committee we see year after year, there are literally like hundreds of groups that have poor leadership transitions, and this is for a lot of reasons. Um, and it's very unfortunate because groups really do suffer and their budgets really do suffer from it and it's really tragic. And so something that, you know, as I said, the PFC really focused on this year was the PEEPS program and this peer mentorship program that um, is going to exist next year. And I think this peer mentorship program is key because there are folks in the ASUO and who have been involved in programs for years and have the institutional knowledge like with contracting processes which can be very confusing for students and that can really help. Um, you know, the student peer-to-peer -peer mentoring system is going to be really beneficial. Something that the ASUO I think has acted as this year, uh, well not this year but in the couple years that I've been involved at its worst is just as an ATM to students. Um, which is helpful for groups that have really good leadership, but the problem is with the special request process especially, I've seen a lot of groups just not know how to fundraise and need a lot of that help, and then they get their um, request shot down, and that shouldn't be the place where that conversation happens. So having fundraising support and advertising support so that groups can come in already having fundraised outside of the ASUL and already knowing how to advertise is huge. I appreciate the responses that all of you gave. I didn't, however, hear from any of you an actual specific process or implementation of the thing that you would do specifically um, during your time in office. And if you have a follow-up, I'd love to hear it. Just a short, this is what I am actually going to do. I can go. Have a dedicated person whose job is just fundraising um, help for programs, and a person on exec who also, their job is just helping advertise for programs who need it. 
Yeah. Um, I think having meetings early on with um, the ASUO executive and with program leadership, I think is really important just to foster those connections because a lot of groups even feel like disconnected with the ASUO itself. And so I think that's something that definitely needs to be changed and an area for improvement. But I also just wanted to comment about the ATM comment because I feel like that really discredits a lot of the um, like events that students and student programs put on on this campus. For, oh, did you want me to answer? Yeah, please. <laughs> okay. Um, so yeah, going, um, um, also having someone on exec, but then also trying to figure out new ways. If things aren't working, like for the example, we haven't really revised our GTN in so long. So if things aren't working, we need to change them. Like for example, creating an, in maybe creating an interactive video, you know, where someone sits down and says, okay, this is how you go through the budget process, flipping through the pages, actually showing them how to do that. And then that video can easily be sent to those leaders who are in those groups to make sure that they are actually learning that process, even though they can't make it to those very specific meetings. Hi, I'm James, I'm UCM Mintz. I'm the former RHA president and current chief of staff for the ASO executive. Uh, more of a lighthearted question, I'm just curious about your favorite part of attending the University of Oregon. Uh, for me, it's been the friendships that I've built. Um, if you would have told me that this would be the person that I would be um, freshman year, I wouldn't have believed you. I've grown so much, but it's because I've had people who've challenged me, who've pushed me to be better and do better. And so for me, it's been friendships. And just the fact that um, now I get to go to school with my little brother is like a little cherry on top. Um, I would just say the community here at the University of Oregon, and especially the ASUO, I never really would have imagined that I would come to college and be so involved in so many different things on campus. And it's been really amazing for me. And I just feel like um, my leadership experience and then experience within programs and just working with student leaders on campus um, has definitely been my favorite part of attending the University of Oregon. Definitely meeting people. I've never like known so many people as I know in college. And just having friends from all around the world, um, just because of my majors and my involvement and like going to ISA and stuff, it's something that never existed at my high school and I never could have imagined like the benefits of. Hi everyone, my name is Hallie. Um, my question is for all of you and it's, I know in the past students might have felt uncomfortable or disconnect with administration. Um, that's university admin and I was just curious um, I think that one of the biggest things um, that happens is that um, students don't know the, the power that they have. Um, student autonomy is something very powerful and if we as students work together we can really show admin because if you think about it, the, the University of Oregon is nothing without its students. Um, and so making sure that people realize that, that they have power within themselves, even if they are in governing bodies or outside of that, um, recognizing that there's power within um, students, within different pockets of groups, um, making sure that, that if we all kind of stick together, collaborate together, then it would combat that.
Um, yeah, so I think one thing that's really important in this um, question is the is the relationship that the ASO executive builds with the administration. I think that having a collaborative working relationship with administration is very key for them to be receptive to um, us acting um, as a voice for the student body. Um, and I believe that student autonomy is something that's incredible, incredibly important to me. And I believe that um, you know the students here at the University of Oregon are completely capable of self-governing. And I think that's something that's um, really important. And with the right ASO executive, um, can be really, um, you know, respected within the administration and they'll be receptive. I agree with the two of them. The other piece I would add is that admin is not a monolith um, and a lot of what the executive can do is knowing who to talk to within the administration to build bridges with the people who then will help fight the people in administration who are not um, basically standing up for student interests. So going and not doing admin is like a monolithic scary enemy, but instead finding the folks that we can work with to build that power and basically leverage it um, to get what we need done. Okay, last question. And this one was actually, um, no, I'm sorry. This one was forwarded to me by uh, Sean Stevenson, who's the current ASU Ohio's director, who had to step out really unfortunately. Um, and it was, if you could name um, specifically and briefly, what your funding priorities would be in ASU's executive's budgetary process. Um, specifically, if you had to choose one thing that would be prioritized over anything else, what would that thing be? One word. No. One statement. <laughs> a thing. Yeah, more than one word. <laughs> a specific group, category of things you thought of. Okay, well, I'm gonna give this a shot. I think something that is really important to my campaign and to um, yeah, all of us with I'm With UO has been safety, and it's a big um, part of our platform. And so I would say that one of the things that we are going to prioritize next year if elected into the office would be student safety. I would say for us, um, our biggest, I don't wanna say biggest, that makes it sound like things weird things are lesser than um, others. But um, one of the things that we have been really vying for is the food pantry. Um, I personally know friends who've had to choose between books and food, and it's really hard to see someone kind of struggle through that. Um, and so we want to make sure that we do have a food pantry, a place where um, if students need to come, they can come and get free food and be able to access that. No questions asked. Um, I think the, the textbook program um, that we've been pushing a lot um, is something that is really huge because looking at affordability outside of just tuition and so looking at the price of rent, the price of textbooks, the price of transportation um, and basically I guess the overarching theme there is affordability outside of the classroom um, of students' biggest costs that aren't tuition. So here's a final question. Um, I'm Tanner. I work for the Emerald for the editorial board. Um, I know that it's really easy to get behind with school and student groups, all that stuff. And I only have one major, and so I have this more directed at Zach, but you guys can all answer. How are you going to be able to deal with all the schoolwork and finishing your multiple majors while also being the head of the student body? Um, I took 20 credits during last um, budget process, and I took 19 this budget process. I'm definitely going to dump that down if I were to be fortunate enough to win. but. Um, 
I've taken up to 24 credits like a few times during my time at UofL. Um, and time management has just been like something that I've prioritized in my personal life. I make time.